Hello and welcome to Today in Space. I am your Space Science Podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Girofanos. I am rocking my Chewbacca Christmas sweater here for this episode. Welcome. We are a few days into Hanukkah. We are a few days before Christmas. And whatever holiday it is that you celebrate, we wish you well. We wish you happy holidays. This episode, we are going to talk about something that's near and dear to all of us here on the podcast is SpaceX. We're going to talk about what SpaceX project is up next. It just happens to be the Dear Moon project. We found out the crew of the Dear Moon project. We will break down what that is for anyone that's new to this. We've been talking about this for years. I believe the announcement was four years ago where Yusaku Maezawa decided to pay for an entire mission around the moon. He finally chose all of those folks for that mission, and it was uniquely about choosing artists so that they could then experience the moon and then coming back to share what they learned and share their creativity with the world to help influence. We will break all of that down in a little bit, uh, but that's, that's our topic for this episode. We're going to talk about the crew that was chosen. I'm going to talk about the basics of it but also uh, the, the aftermath of the crew being chosen. There are a lot of space influencers out there. There are a lot of folks talking about space openly. Many of them are uh, of the, the STEM background. And I, for some reason, this artist mission triggered a lot of the STEM folks in the industry. And I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have my moment. So now that I'm through that, after my tantrum... Uh, and, and I have no reason to be, I didn't apply, but it did happen. And I'm going to try and touch on that. I'm going to share what I felt and try and get a little human on this episode and honest, as honest as I can be, uh, and share my thoughts in the hope that it stirs up a discussion that we can talk about the idea that space is the infinite frontier. It's not something that's super limited and we should celebrate this kind of a mission, but as most things on the internet, there were a lot of things that were criticized about this mission, some wrong, some completely valid. So we'll talk about some of those things. I'll break it down for you. But this is Today in Space. Thank you for joining us, and let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by Estes Rockets. If you're looking to get a rocket for yourself uh, or anyone else in your life, especially if you have a young one and you're trying to get them into something cool or maybe they have an interest in science, Estes Rockets is a great place to have something where you can bond and enjoy the, the joys of rocket science in your own backyard or, or wherever you live where you're able to launch rockets. So you can use our code IN underscore Alex to get 10% off at EstesRockets.com. It's going to help you get rockets. It's not going to include sales and it's not going to include engines, but it will include everything else in the store. So go into EstesRockets.com. Use our code word in underscore Alex, get 10% off things in the store. And maybe you're not looking for the, the Falcon 9 rocket. I mean, look, we, we have here, we picked this up a little while ago here. This is the commemorative edition of the Saturn V rocket, which obviously is coming in real handy as we're experiencing, we're talking about this episode, the moon mission Artemis 1. The Apollo program was obviously... Uh, a big thing and this one is actually the Apollo 11 commemorative edition which is really cool but IN underscore Alex get 10% off at Estes Rockets and uh, get something good for yourself or someone that you love uh, for the holidays and that's it folks thank you Estes Rockets for your support and for sponsoring the podcast let's get back to the show 
All right, so first, we have to start talking about what Dear Moon is, right? What What is this project? Why does it exist? And what we're going to do is play a quick clip here from our one of our older episodes where we had actually talked about this when this first happened. Today in space, let's review the recent SpaceX announcement of the first person to purchase a BFR orbital trip around the moon. We'll overview some key aspects of the mission, including a project called Dear Moon. Let's begin. On September 17th, it was announced via live webcast at the SpaceX headquarters that the secretive first passenger was Japanese billionaire Yusaku Miyazawa. Miyazawa purchased the first flight around the moon aboard the Big Falcon rocket. To quote Miyazawa, I thought long and hard about how valuable it would be to become the first private passenger to go to the moon. At the same time, I thought about how I can give back to the world and how this can contribute to world peace. This is my lifelong dream. But Miyazawa doesn't want to be the only passenger. To quote him, I did not want to have such a fantastic experience by myself. That would be a little lonely. I don't like being lonely, so I want to share these experiences and things with as many people as possible. So that is why I choose to go to the moon with artists. Sound familiar? We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It was a nice homage to one of the historic moments of the start of the space race. Although billionaires going into space doesn't have quite the same feel as a country reaching for the future in the midst of an arms race to the moon. I love that Miyazawa chose to honor this new commercial human endeavor with that line. In this very inspirational reveal of Project Dear Moon, Yusaku is inviting six to eight artists that will join him aboard the 15-day mission around the moon to experience what only hundreds of other human beings have ever experienced. What could these artists share with the world that could inspire and excite people about space travel? Maezawa has decided to invest his wealth to share this experience with others, a gesture I believe is important culturally for the future of space travel. It's my opinion that we're pretty lucky to have people like Elon Musk and Yusaku Maezawa in this day and age to have these alternate paths to success for human spaceflight to continue. Now, if this sounds like a previous mission SpaceX had planned, you would be correct. In the webcast, Elon revealed that the two-passenger Dragon capsule moon mission that would have launched aboard a Falcon Heavy rocket was originally purchased by Maezawa. It's interesting to see that the mission evolved from you to using the BFR, and for everyone involved, it makes much more of an impact. Obviously, the safety of such a mission is brought into question. The BFR has not taken its final form, or even test launched yet. There will be plenty of developmental launches before humans launch. And the message was clear from both Elon and Maezawa that the mission is dangerous, and not something to be taken lightly. SpaceX is aware that human loss on, the mi- on this mission could happen, and they must do everything they can to ensure human safety. But safety on human missions is not a new topic, and not one I find any evidence of SpaceX taking it lightly. I think it's more important to look at what SpaceX has been able to accomplish in its short time in the space industry. There are many incredible technologies to be tested in time for the mission in 2023 or later if things are delayed. The Dear Moon Project has the feel of sci-fi dreams and makes me think about what's possible for the future. 
It's important for us to keep our expectations real and to make sure we stay realistic on what's possible because space travel is difficult, especially human space travel. All right, so in that clip, we talked about a joint venture between Yusaku Maezawa and Elon Musk and SpaceX. He wanted to create this project to get artists together to go on a trip around the moon to experience the moon so that they could then take that experience and take their creativity to the world and influence the world through their lunar travel. This is the new space world that we live in that an individual can pay for an entire mission and bring people with them. We've seen smaller versions of this with, you know, the Blue Origin, um, people paying, in some cases, winning trips on the New Shepard rocket to the edge of space and back. But this kind of a mission, a moon mission, a human moon mission, this was years before the Orion spacecraft and SLS and everything was ready to launch for Artemis. This is years before, so it seemed like a long shot. And, and look, I mean, it's not like SpaceX hasn't promised crazy things and then end up maybe a little bit longer in their timeline than they expected, but they delivered. So originally this mission was supposed to be on a Crew Dragon spacecraft. Now, we just saw the iSpace mission. We just saw that SpaceX just launched a lunar lander to the moon, iSpace, the Japanese uh, private company. But we haven't really seen that type of thing from a Falcon 9. Eventually, the Starship became the vehicle that was going to take these human beings around the moon. Now, years went past. Development of the Starship uh, continues today. The Raptor engine got a new update where it's thinner and sleeker and has more thrust, and they've just done so much to this spacecraft. They've launched it. They've landed it. They've crashed it. And now they're getting ready to do the first orbital test. So needless to say, Dear Moon, the announcement is amazing. The fact that crew is being announced I would guess that's some kind of a hint of the trigger inside of SpaceX to say, all right, let's get to the point where we can launch this, but let's not sugarcoat anything. It's not like development of Starship has gone off easily. There was a lot of progress up front really, really quick. We were on Starship 24 recently. So like, there's been a lot of progress, but... They're really dialing things in. We're seeing some static tests, multiple static tests with the same Starship, uh, and there have been engine swap outs, but they're getting a lot of data. They, they definitely seem to be getting close. So this Dear Moon mission would take these people around the moon in a Starship and have a glorious view. I mean, I remember when this was first decided to be on the Starship, that was around the time when Elon Musk was discussing the view from the high bay here where this giant glass structure that would be there for viewing, there could be, you know, these amazing musical shows, like a violinist uh, in a in a orbital ballet, doing a, just an, an insanely beautiful performance of art in front of the backdrop of the Earth or the Moon, or just the background of the universe. So. A very inspirational mission, and we have our crew. So let's jump into the crew. Are you looking to stuff someone's stocking this holiday season? Well, thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, we have the best tools to offer for either yourself or 
if you're buying a gift for somebody else, Manscaped has everything that you need for your holiday needs. Whether it's getting the Platinum Package 4.0, it has loads of little presents, perfect for stocking stuffers. What's better than the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs? Manscaped offers a handful of their liquid formulation, shampoos, body washes, upstairs and downstairs deodorant, gels, exfoliants, absolutely everything that they could need to keep it clean. And again, one of the things we love about Manscaped is that it makes manscaping and men's hygiene so much simpler. I mean, you can just check right here. My beard had gotten pretty crazy. Uh, I had been sick. The holidays just let it grow, and it got pretty wild. But I was able to tame the beast with the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. Not only do they give you the tools that you need, they help make the experience of men's grooming easier and simpler so that you don't have to overthink it. You can just grab your gear and go. But there's also things like the Shears 2.0 if you're looking for a full kit for nail care with scissors, clippers, tweezers, and a file for the traveling man. There is the new Persevere Cologne, which is brings a light, breezy, woodsy feel and gives that fresh tree scent even after the holidays are over. They also have come out with their body buffer, which if you're still using a loofah that holds all that bacteria, gross, you can throw that out and get this new body scrubber, the body buffer, that feels smoother and acts tougher. And then of course, like we talked about before, the Lawnmower 4.0 is my go-to. It is the electric razor with advanced skin-safe technology. It's a life changer and known for reducing nicks and cuts. Manscaped is here to make holiday shopping a blast by giving products that they'll love and make them laugh at the same time. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPACE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SPACE and Manscaped is the perfect gift that will be the holiday's biggest hit. So thank you, Manscaped, for being a sponsor. Really appreciate the partnership we have with them and makes a great gift for the man in your life. Might even be you. <laughs> it's okay to take care of yourself. So manscaped.com, 20% off free worldwide shipping, co-word space. Let's get back to the show. So the first person, obviously a huge congratulations to Tim Dodd, the everyday astronaut. It's amazing to see his progress over the years and to see that he's now going to become an astronaut and go to the moon, it's truly, truly amazing. Steve Aoki is part of that crew, which is wild to think about. I think he's a really interesting person. I've heard a lot of interviews with him. I've I've always enjoyed, I've seen at least one of his live shows, and I've, of course, listened to his music. Very enjoyable person and artist. Then you have Top, who was born in South Korea in 1987, He's a South Korean rapper, multi-hyphenate musician, an award-winning film actor, an avid collector. He is obviously a part of the legendary K-pop group Big Bang. Although I say obviously like I'm a big fan. I'm not. He's just definitely big. Not my thing, but big. Then we have Yemi A.D., who is from the Czech Republic. He's, got a, he's a multidisciplinary creative. Each one of these artists have their own uh, kind of label. Uh, Tim Dodd is the YouTuber that's there. Top is the is one of the musicians. Yemi Ad is the multidisciplinary creative. He's doing this to remind all the creative kids out there: it doesn't matter how you start your journey, but where you aim. And we will prove that with imagination. There is no limit to your potential. 
He was born in Czechoslovakia to a Czech mom and a Nigerian father in 1981. He's a multidisciplinary creative force, social innovator, and choreographer who teaches people and organizes and organizations how to move into their creativity. He designed, choreographed, and directed shows and campaigns for Apple, Google, Mercedes-Benz, the VMAs, SNL, and CBS. Next up, we have Rhiannon Adam from Ireland. She is the photographic artist. She says, Every day I pinch myself, it seems like an impossible dream coming true. I aim to create work that does justice to this transformative experience. Rhiannon was born in Svork, Ireland in 1985. Rhiannon is a photographic artist and currently lives and works between London and the U.S. In 1992, her parents sold everything they owned and bought a liveaboard sailing boat. From that point, her childhood became nomadic, moving from place to place, moving around South America and the Caribbean. She eventually moved to London as a teenager to live with her aunt, enabling her to begin mainstream education. And Rhiannon's work is centered on research-based, long-form social documentary projects that make use of analog photographic processes and archive materials. Her early life experiences have had a lasting influence on her work with a focus on remote communities, the concept of utopia, and the fine line between fact and fiction. Next up is Karim Ilya from the UK. He's a photographer. He says here, as I document this incredible journey and share this story, I hope to grow and understand how to do my part to make things better for all life on Earth. Kareem Ilya was born in the UK in 1990. Kareem is a photographer, filmmaker, whale swimming guide based in Iceland and Hawaii. He grew up in the Middle East and Asia and developed a curiosity for the natural world. This has brought him alongside battling whales amidst exploding volcanoes, deep within the ice worlds of the Arctic, and into many of the fascinating places that humans and animals make their home. Kareem uses photography and video to show a unique perspective and uncover new underwater worlds that few have the opportunity to see. And his focus is on documenting whales, birds, and other threatened species in an effort to advocate for the protection of delicate ecosystems on Earth for generations to come. Brendan Hall is one of the Americans. He's a filmmaker. It's an incredible honor to be a part of this team and help share an inside perspective of our mission. He was born in Connecticut, in the U.S. in 1994. Brennan is a documentary filmmaker telling stories in the natural world and beyond. His projects have brought viewers on adventures that explore the frontiers of our human spirit, from following a remote medical expedition through the Amazon rainforest, scientists unearthing woolly mammoth bones in Siberia. He's contributed to cinematography, to documentaries on Netflix and PBS, including Bill Nye the Science Guy and Red Heaven, In his work, Brendan is committed to sharing the wonders of our planet in hopes that we may be inspired to care for it. It is the spirit he brings to his upcoming first feature-length documentary, a tapestry of personal stories captured across 10,000 miles of the U.S. national parks. And then we have Dev D. Joshi from India. He's an actor. He says, always be positive and be passionate because miracles happen and they happen anytime, which came in the form of Dear Moon for me. He was born in India in the year 2000. Dev is a professional actor and social media influencer with an experience of more than 18 years in the field of art and entertainment. From the young age of three, he's been a part of several television series, regional cinema, music, albums, stage shows, and advertisements. 
known for his portrayal as, of an Indian superhero, Bealveer. Dev has positively influenced the masses across the world through his character, spreading the message of truth and goodness in society. And then there are two backup crew members. There's Caitlin Farrington, a snowboarder from the U.S. She can't believe that she's part of this amazing opportunity. Never in a million years did she think that she would have the chance to fly around the moon. She was born in Haley, Idaho in 1989. Caitlin grew up on a ranch in Idaho. At a young age, she fell in love with winter sports. In high school, she started to compete in snowboard competitions around the United States. And when she was 17, she was invited to join the U.S. snowboard team. She won an Olympic gold at the age of 24 in snowboard halfpipe in a 2014 at the Sochi Olympic Games. Eight months after her victory, she was diagnosed with congenital cervical stenosis and had to retire from competitive snowboard. Caitlin has made a deal with her doctor to become a grounded snowboarder. For Caitlin, this was a hard reality, having to give up something she loved too much and redefine herself in the snowboard community. She now spends most of her time backcountry snowboarding, which she likes to call adventure snowboarding. And she is currently taking online classes pursuing a degree in business communication. And then there is Mayu from Japan. She's a dancer. She's so excited to grasp this enormous dream of hers. On behalf of the young generation, I'll do my best to inspire people through my dance. She was born in Japan in 1997. She's a professional dancer, choreographer, and movement practitioner. She started dancing as a child and saw success early on winning consecutive titles, competitions, and battles. When she was 19 years old, she won title through Japan and Asia, including Juste de Bao in Paris. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize. Mayu has spent most of the past decade educating, inspiring, and connecting people through dance and movement all over the world. Alongside her community efforts, Mayu is recognized as an entrepreneur who works as a model, brand ambassador, choreographer, dancer, and performer in music videos. She's performed globally, but most proud of her show at the Cotton Club in Tokyo, Japan, which was sold out for several nights and was one of her best performances. Her motto is, make the impossible possible, and she proves time and time again that as an artist, anything is possible when kindness, grace, and humility are your driving force. So, that is the Dear Moon crew as of right now and the backup crew. It's an exciting time because all of these people are chosen, which makes this mission a little bit more real. It's real in the fact that Yusaku Maezawa flew to the International Space Station in 2021. He was the first Japanese civilian to visit the ISS and spent 12 days on board. He was there trying to you know, learn as a commander. He's going to be commanding this mission. He's going to lead this mission. So he needs time in space. He needs to understand what it's like so that he can help guide these folks, not only through the training, but to be a leader through this mission. I think that's a subtle thing about human spaceflight that we don't really consider until it's happening, that leadership and a sense of team and cohesiveness, super important for going through space. You're going through a very high-risk scenario. Human beings were not really supposed to be in space. We have spacecraft and we've got engineering and science and technology to help us manipulate reality around us so we can do that. But it's like having a grand adventure where there is lots of danger that can happen. And so you need to have a good team, you need to be all together, you need good leaders, and you need to prepare for as much as you can. So I like the fact 
that Yusaku Maezawa, who likes to be called MZ, it was good to see that he seems to be taking this seriously. Obviously, launching into space, not the safest thing to do. So it's not just some crazy mission like Mars 1, which we talked about in the very early days of the podcast. And I saw a lot of comparisons to this Dear Moon Project announcement, uh, comparing it to Mars 1. Now, this brings us into this next section of the podcast where we're going to talk about the the whiplash of this crew selection. Um, so I'll talk about Mars 1 in just a sec here. But for this episode and for this segment, let's talk about what triggered the space community. So first of all, I saw the announcement, and it's so easy to have feelings of jealousy and to feel like, wow, I wish I I was doing that. I wish I was going to the moon. And it's an interesting effect of a mission like this, right? These are all civilians. These are not trained astronauts. These are not, you know, it's not people that have spent their whole life working on this or, um, I mean, granted, Tim Dodd has been talking about space uh, literally for the everyday astronauts since 2014. So, I mean, in one way, he is somewhat qualified for that. But in the traditional sense of people launching to space, none of these people are and they are coming along because they made videos to enter the Dear Moon crew. And these were the folks that were chosen. And I'm not going to point any names. I'm, I'm more going to use myself as an example. But I know there's many people and people that I really like that I follow online. It was a moment where you saw how sad people are. I think times are very, very tough. Right now, I think the world's not in a great place. I know a lot of us are not in a great place. I struggle every day to make sure that I put myself in the right mindset to get into a flow to do this kind of thing to have a day job to spend time with my loved ones and to also do this podcast and research it and make sure that I'm saying things that are actually correct it's not been easy and so I I I don't want to harp on this but I do want to talk about it because it's important that there was a ton of jealousy thrown at these folks uh, in classic internet fashion today, people just jumping on and saying this is this is ridiculous. This is I, I heard people saying this is awful for private commercial space. Partially, I totally get it. If this is because SpaceX is related, and Dear Moon is going on a SpaceX rocket, and SpaceX is related to Elon Musk, Elon Musk is a divisive person, and everything that's going on with Twitter right now. I can get it if you're you're not happy and you're, you know, getting upset at things that he's involved in. But I think that takes away from what this truly is, which is the first opportunity for the rest of us to have the opportunity to go to space. Now, I know there are going to be people who are going to say, well, this this is just a rich person and all these people are being given an opportunity. It's not like we were going to the moon before all of this stuff. It's not like we had this glorious space program that was starting to launch people and you had a chance to get a golden ticket to go to space. We barely, barely got out of this last decade to have this boom in space that we have today. It was dried up about 10 years ago when the space shuttle retired and resources from you know at NASA and across the industry were really in a dire straits where we were at a lack of technology we were paying Russia 
millions of dollars per seat to send our astronauts to the International Space Station to continue continual human presence on the space station. Millions of dollars. Because we didn't have the technology anymore. So, uh, and I've seen some comments even in the last week from our last episode about folks getting upset that we should be farther. We shoulda, coulda, woulda kind of thing. And just the reality is that space is a very expensive venture. And like any technology, whether it was the internet, whether it was the plane, the train, the car, the automobile, steam engine, fire. I'm sure there were haters of fire. So this is a first step in what can happen next. There are people with money and influence and power who try to do things to make the world better. Of all of the rich people schemes that you could talk about for trying to be philanthropic and do things, this one, I mean, he's paying... I don't even know how much money he's paying for this mission, but he's paying for all of these people to go up. Let's see. It's eight people plus Yusaku Maezawa. So nine-person nine crew. I mean, just think about that. That's ridiculous. This guy made a fortune as an online fashion retailer, and now he wants to put that money into space, not into some program that makes people feel good but doesn't do anything for the public. He's He's doing this that pushes the bounds of space. It gives SpaceX the money that they need to develop Starship. They will then provide this mission for them. They're going to try out training, right? Astronaut, civilian training is going to continue and develop further. We saw the success of how prepared the Inspiration4 crew was, right? The first all-civilian mission into space. SpaceX is really pushing the bounds of human spaceflight, and this mission aligns with that and... These artists are now going to go back out there. They have followings already, right? Think about each person that can influence these other folks. And one thing that we don't have from Apollo from the early days is this kind of long journey of Mercury and Gemini leading up to Apollo for people to start really getting involved in space and to learn. We had a decade of drought and a booming improvement, but... As we've talked about on this podcast for a very, very long time, if we only rely on NASA's funding for space operations to go and then whatever retail or sales of, you know, satellite deployments and GPS and other other types of services from space, the industry is struggling to move as forward as it can. And if we rely on funding that's at the whim of politicians that change every four to eight years and the whole direction changes, we had that with George W. Bush and with the Constellation Program that then became the Asteroid Redirect Mission under President Obama, which then changed to the Artemis Program and the eventual landing uh, in, you know, then we went to Trump and it actually continued. It didn't change. He just took what Obama had done and kept it moving. And we got so lucky that that happened because that could have just been railroaded. And now we would be at this point where Dear Moon was the only human space mission around the moon. But now we have both. We have Artemis and we have Dear Moon. So that's all to say that to get upset that this mission is happening, I think it lacks the... I don't think... The full picture is being understood here. This is part of this progress for space 
that's needed because funding is always so difficult. And if you've got a company and engineers like you do at SpaceX, they have proven the impossible over and over again. And I think they're going to do this again with the Dear Moon mission. I mean, Starship is going to get a lot of testing over the next few years. It's not only going to do this Dear Moon mission, which is just going to orbit. It's not going to land the Starship. But it's also going to be the human landing system for the Artemis program. So in the scheme of the space program and what we're trying to do with Artemis, Dear Moon is critical towards those tests and making sure that the first woman and the first person of color steps foot on the moon safely is Dear Moon Crew. It's another test. And, and fully loading the starship with human beings and using it as the vehicle and having that be reusable. So to close out the critique, I personally, yeah, I was jealous. But I also can't be that jealous because I didn't even apply. So how much how much anger can I really have? So anyone that's losing their minds over Dear Moon, did you even apply? And if you didn't, then what are we what are we yelling about? It's about something else. So you know, and if if you want to talk about jealousy, I could be jealous of Tim Dodd. Tim Dodd and I started our space things same year 2014 do i care <laughs> like i'm not mad at tim tim crushed it and this is this is the point i i'm trying to bring from the stem thing is that tim is a photographer right creating productions filming he figured out the heart and minds of folks and and connected with people that were interested in space and then people flocked to tim and he grew a following. And that's not to say that Tim didn't do any work. He did tons of work. And I can only talk about Tim Dodd because I, I'm aware of him. I, Steve Aoki, sure. But I don't know about space for Steve Aoki. But for Tim Dodd, like, the dude crushed it. And has a giant following, a huge YouTube show. Uh, he's done podcasts. And he is definitely the right person to go up there. And if there's a person that I think deserves to be on this crew that's done the work to do so, it's Tim Dodd. Again, going back to it, as a STEM person, as a person who actually studied aerospace engineering, Tim doesn't have a STEM background from what I understand. That doesn't mean he shouldn't go. And that was the feeling that I was getting from STEM folks, that it was like it was the STEM people that should be going. And I, I don't, that's not how I think about this. I, uh, this, in, this, the aerospace industry, I have had a better relationship in a non-STEM, I mean, this podcast is about STEM, right? But this podcast is a creative outlet. I've had more great interactions and connections and relationships in STEM at places like NASA and SpaceX and Blue Origin. And, and I'm not trying to name drop here, just I've made more connections to the STEM thing because there's a human connection right? Through the, through the creative outlet, you can get to understand somebody. And that's a journey I've been on and trying to learn and relearn. I, I used to be a jazz artist, a jazz musician, trumpet player. I drew, I painted, I, I, I was drawing my own anime for a while there. And like, it's, everyone has their own path. And just because something amazing like this, like being able to go to, around the moon, anyone wants that. But this is the crew and they're not STEM folks. And what we can learn from this, and I think we will learn this mission as it happens, as we get the content that they're developing and they're creating and the stories that they're going to tell, when we get those back 
and then it gets distributed to the world through all of those fans and followers and you get to see each person's perspective and how they take that back to the world that is going to make a lot of the stem folks i hope understand if you're paying attention that it is about the storytelling it is about the connection and what's important which is why should i feel this way science it can be such a dry thing i mean until very recently being a nerd or being an engineer or being a scientist was not popular it was not something that people connected with i mean still you you can see this there are people that when they see math or uh, i'm one of these people when when there's a test your your brain goes blank right there's so many more people like that than there are people that are like yeah, that are super into STEM and understand every single thing about it. It's not necessarily about that. And these opportunities are available to these people because they've grown a following. They've, they do what they do best. They're creative and they create. And for us STEM folks, we can learn a lot from that. And it also can show us that what we need to focus on is our science. Were we in this to go to the moon? We're in this because we love STEM or we want to do something great with the world. So we all need to focus on that and not focus on the fact that these people have one of the greatest opportunities in all of our lifetimes, even though that's definitely true. So my, my whole thing here is that there's a lot of hate thrown at this mission. I think the world's in a tough place. And there are definitely some things that I think people were comparing it to. Mars One, which is an interesting comparison. Mars One was this, uh, actually, yeah, it was around the 2014 era. I'm trying to remember when it was. But there was an announcement that Mars One was going to, uh, in a similar fashion, pick a crew of people that would go to Mars and be the first Martians. And there were a lot of problems with Mars One. First, they were not a launch company like SpaceX. They didn't have a spacecraft that they were going to launch into space. The idea was that there are a lot of technologies that are available. If we can go out there and find people to pay for these missions, fundraise, get the money, we can send everything we need for this mission. We can train the crew. It can become public. And it'll become like a show or documentary when it comes back. Now, there were a lot of holes in that plan. And uh, it... Uh, no longer exists. So it is a tale, for sure, for big space progress uh, projects that fail. But this is not that mission, at least not yet. And there are a lot more abilities for Starship. You know, Mars One was trying to send habitats ahead of time and then robots to build those habitats and then send humans so that they could go there. Starship can do all of that. Starship... And, and they're not landing this ship, so that obviously makes this mission better. They're not going to Mars. They're going to the moon, which makes it way better. So it's a lot less complex. But Starship is going to have to fly and land here soon for Artemis. You know, 18 months, we've got Artemis two, right? Those are the first human beings. And the Starship is supposed to be tested, at least docking, during that mission. Which means that if the timeline is there, they're saying that this mission is supposed to fly in 2023. Artemis 2 is supposed to happen in the second half of 2024. Now, if that timeline holds, then that timeline makes a lot of sense. But to be critical about this, this is definitely one of the things that 
doesn't make a lot of sense given the trend. Starship has kind of slowed down its overall progress of what it needs to do. Obviously, their own timelines, they're pushing back. They wanted to have an orbital mission a long time ago. but And by a long time ago, I mean, what, a year or so? So they are definitely a little behind, but they're in a refining phase for Starship. So I think if the trend changes, if they get the orbital launch in the first quarter of next year, of 2023, then maybe, maybe by the end of... 2023 we might see human beings launch on there for the first time maybe a small crew like a demo crew to do a a suborbital mission around earth but to think about that having to happen and then sending nine people on starship around the moon there's going to be a it's going to be an extremely busy year for spacex in 2023 and with elon musk at owning Twitter and running Twitter, I don't see that happening. So what? there's a lot of things that need to happen if 2023 is going to happen for Starship. And I think 2024 is reasonable for this crew to launch. I think it's possible humans might launch on Starship in 2023. But yeah, I'm not convinced that's true. If the trend changes, great. But the current trend and all the distraction at Twitter, I don't think this is happening in 2023. Now, one of the other critiques was that, you know, you have Yusago Maezawa, and of the eight artists, seven of them are men. Pretty diverse group of men, but regardless, they're men. And there is one female, Rhiannon, and two the two backups are females. Now, from a STEM perspective, not that it makes it right, and the current trend is starting to change. There are lots of women entering the aerospace industry, which is great, but that ratio i'm like okay yeah that that makes you know okay that's interesting but for artists i would think there was a higher pool of of women that could have been chosen now this brings us into the world of bias and selection of crew and the idea that if this person yusaku maizawa paid for the entire mission they can pick this however they want there's a lot of play here and Honestly, without knowing the selection process, without knowing his biases, without, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean there's, everyone has bias. We are, we're all subject to it. So it's really tough to say. It would be great to see more women. From a perspective of the fact that we are now living in the Artemis generation, Artemis 1 is, is completed. We're moving on to Artemis 2. Artemis 3 will land the first woman and, next, and first person of color on the moon. You'd think that would be if you're paying attention to it, a consideration to who you were going to bring up with you. But this is definitely the balance of private industry and who they're going to bring to space. And unfortunately, it's not even like NASA has been stellar at that either. I think the Artemis three goal of the first woman and first person of color is long overdue. And I think we all have work to do in a lot of different areas. So again, to, to point out Dear Moon specifically, it is an artifact of where we are, but it's certainly not the only one, and it's it's not rare. Does that make it right? No, but I can tell you, I know a few artists that I would I would send up there. I don't know if, if they submitted, but I mean, Julia Kaliski, obviously, God, what she would bring back would be 
amazing. She's already so influenced from it, from the moon, never mind just space in general. But to see someone like her go on this mission would be incredible. And there are so many other other amazing artists that are out there too, from all walks and backgrounds. The the one thing I do see here is that from a diversity perspective of thoughts and ideas and talents, it is really interesting. There there is a lot of different backgrounds here. And what I'm looking forward to is what they bring to the table and what they bring back from the moon. And that's what I'm focused on. I'm 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 focused on as we our mission is here to spread love and spread science. So to get caught up in jealousy and you know i don't even know what to call it there's there's also this private industry you've got the big aerospace companies and these these other private space companies that have been in the game for a while and you can just kind of tell that there's a lot of people pissed that they've been working at this for years and now there's just going to be a mission with a bunch of artists that are going to the moon like it's it's really interesting how much this has triggered people but I guess I shouldn't be surprised because that's what Elon Musk seems to be doing nowadays. But regardless, regardless, the Dear Moon Project is very exciting. And I am looking forward to seeing what they do. It's a huge congratulations to Tim Dodd and all his work to see what someone who loves space and makes space content has an opportunity to do now. And not only that, all these other artists are not spaced artists. They are masters of their own craft and what they do, but... This opens up so much to all of us. So I am very excited about where this goes. I would love to know what you think about this. And number one, would you apply if you had the opportunity? And what do you think would be your favorite part? How do we even know what that's going to be like? And and we'll get a lot of first-person perspectives on this. And think about what it's going to be like to see all of them making content at the same time in that starship, which is large, by the way. And we're, we're going to talk more about this as we get more mission details and, you know, we'll probably end up 3D modeling or finding a 3D model of the starship so we can put ourselves in a simulation of it and look around and see what it would be like to be there. I think that would be super cool. But as we get into Christmas, through Hanukkah, through the holidays, through to the end of the year, uh, it's a reminder to not just let those first emotions control you. Don't just let how awful the world is right now get to you as much as it does. And take a second. If you find yourself dipping into that that oozing pool of jealousy and hate, take a step back and ask yourself, why do I feel like that? It 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 that one motion of just take taking it back, taking the gas off, your foot off the gas a little bit to give yourself a break to catch yourself in that moment. It's very useful. It's also part of the reason why I didn't post for a day or two. I was working through my own demons here. (laughs) But I'm honest about it, and I wanted to share that with anyone that might have missed it. And I would like to hear if you also felt the same. What what were your thoughts? What do you think about Dear Moon? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you you don't care? Uh, That's fine too. (laughs) But thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. Next week, we will be having our final episode of 2022. We're going to talk about the podcast. I'm going to talk about creating this thing and this last year. What have we learned? What is it about science content that's worked this year? What hasn't worked? What have I improved on? And what are our plans for next year? There's some new things that we're planning to bring up to the table here. I'm really excited about that. So wish you nothing but the best for the holidays. Please enjoy as much as you can 
even if you only have a few moments to soak it in. We're all human beings. Things are crazy. The world is crazy, but you got this. So spread love, spread science, be well, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today in Space. See you next time. Thank you.